0: Hey guys, it's so good to be here. You guys are family. I have my computer. Um, yes, as Dean said, oh my goodness, I started reading. I read Transformation like several years ago, and then when I reread it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is my life right now. Um, we have just walked through a transition where we were senior pastors and leaders of a church and God called me specifically back to marketplace ministry and you know growing up in that old I'm gonna just call it as it is I'm really raw and real if you guys know me but that old paradigm that is ministry or You know, it's like the marketplace is not full-time ministry, but it really is. And I think even in my own journey, um, God has really just, that's just been my journey. When I was um, 28 years old, God gave me this vision to have a bridal business. And so we start the bridal business, and I'm like, in my own mind— right? Because I love how Ed talks about paradigms as lenses. So in my lens, I was choosing career over ministry. And so I remember just starting that journey. And then when I had my awakening encounter with God in 2012, and he just, he just woke me up, awakened everything inside of me, He started showing me that actually what I was doing was not just doing hair and makeup for brides or you know the the menial things that that we do sometimes. It was actually my training ground for ministry. And I start looking at it, and even, even what I did, he was like, Heather, like you have always been called to the bride. And he showed me how the—because the, the because my favorite part of doing hair and makeup is the transformation of when we see the bride, you know, make that full reveal and she walks down the aisle to greet her husband. And he said, this is— the whole time been mirroring what I've called you to do. And now I, I need you for my bride. And as he awakened my eyes, I began to see that everything that I did, every contact that I made, every everything was ministry. And even things that I looked at in business as being a negative, such as People leaving me and going to start their own hair and makeup company, you know, people that I raised up, I would kind of at first look at that and I was like they left me and I felt betrayed and and then God God began to show me through that process he was like Heather, look at all the women that you paved the way for to open their own business and all of the families that they feed now and so that is, you know, it's illuminating and it is world changing. It's not just, you know, going through the grind. It's like when we, when our lenses are are cleared and, and God awakens that and enlightens that in us, we realize that everything we do is worship. And I love, I loved rereading this book and, um, just that reminder that we all need. So, about right when COVID started, maybe four months ago now, God called me back to Marketplace. Um, we have an opportunity to take over Saints and Sinners Bar on Bourbon Street, which you guys know is where God is pouring out His Spirit. You know, and I was like, God, wait, what? So I'm, I, I it was like He was detoxing me of those last remnants of that. Ministry versus non ministry, and he was like, No, this is going to establish something transformative in the city. And, um, so yeah, we look, we're looking that, at that as like a house that we're building before God. And I, I look at my experience, even in the bridal industry, and I look at it as my training ground as that. You know, we I always use Karate Kid as kind of like that example where Mr. Miyagi's like, wax on, wax loft. He's like, no, you don't understand. You know, I want to do karate and I want to beat people up. <laughs> and we're like, what does this have to do with that? And it was like when it all came together full circle, he had that aha moment. He was like, Oh, wax on, wax off. And he realized it was all for a plan and all for a purpose. So I just, that's where I'm coming from tonight. And I just want to kind of elaborate and really talk about a few things. But I want my husband to greet you. And he is in Marketplace Ministry and has been this whole time. Sometimes it's 9 o'clock at night and he's getting phone calls. (laughs) I'm like, is it Jake from State Farm? I'm like, what are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? Khakis. But people will call him to, like, walk them through, like, life crises or, like, fights, like, marital fights. He, like, they call their, you know, financial guy. I'm like, what in the world? So, yeah.
1: So, it's, a, it's been a unique journey for me because I grew up Baptist, was baptized at 13. and But I was scared into that literally, uh, it was out of fear of God not love of God. And it wasn't until I met her and she had her crazy encounter with God and for 30 days cried every day, I thought I'd lost my wife, um, that it really opened my eyes when we started going to the streets. And when we went to the streets, a weird thing happened. Because I didn't know anything about knowing anything, I was open to what God wanted to do. Sometimes we get in our own way because we think we know what we know when we don't know anything. And it's when you say, God, I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know, but I'm going to take that step. See, that's faith. Most people don't get that. They, they forget that faith is actually a, state, uh, a step, not just a belief. Because you can believe all you want to. But if you don't take the step, I don't know if you got faith. And so when you take that step of faith and you go out, well, she said we're going to the streets of New Orleans, and I said you're not going without me. I didn't know what I was going to do when I went out there. And the weird part about it is we go out the first time, and Heather goes, uh, Darren and Lindsay was, I I still remember this. We had three backpacks with just water and some crackers. And they go, um, Darren we don't know what we're doing, you go ahead. You go ahead and you break the ice. Oh, it, it, it was, it, I don't think I've ever met anybody that I didn't really like. It's, it's rare. It's rare that I haven't met somebody that I, I, I don't really like. The second thing is um, I'm okay with, with rejection. Literally, I'm 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 okay, because I've just come to a realization that if it is me, I'm going to apologize and ask for forgiveness. But 98% of the time, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them and where they're at. So I'm okay with rejection. I'm just like, bro, man, that's cool, man. Not we're good, you know, we're good. But what happened in the midst of that was God started giving me things and giving me downloads for people that I never knew I could have. And she actually got insulted by God. She said, that's not fair. I've been doing this for 30-something years, and yet he's giving you this download. And what it allowed me to do is through what I do now as a financial advisor is I'm able to speak life into my clients. I have an hour with them to spend, and I can spend it on anything. We can talk about investments. We can talk about this and that. I will tell you, 15 minutes, maybe investments, maybe finances. The other 40 is life. See, you have an opportunity every day, and I think this is what this is about. You have an opportunity every day in your life. Here's the key. If you'll listen to what he says... Get all the chaos out of your mind. And if you listen to what he says, he will put you in a position to affect people every single day. You don't have to hunt them down. You don't have to hunt them down. But through that process, you have to have one thing on your mind. I'm about my God's doing. If you're about that, then the rest of it, my my boss is a Baptist, and me and him go back and forth from time to time about, you know, the laws and the religion and everything like that. I still love him, and we've gotten in a tit-for-tat and stuff. You know, I've got tattoos, and he said it was a sin, so I printed the old 628 laws of the Old Testament or whatever it was and put it on his desk and highlighted the ones he was sending to. So... No, we've, 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 we've gone back and forth. But the one thing he's always said to me in business, and if you do this in your personal life with God, it is the same thing. He says, always do the right thing. You'll never have to worry about the money. So in personal life, always do the right thing, and you'll never have to worry about God or money, or anything, if you do the right thing. So that's it. So good.
0: So I love, I'm going to just jump in, highlight. I know you guys are reading this, so I'm basically just going to kind of touch some things and then let Pastor Dean roll. Um, I'm so excited about Sunday, by the way. That was so powerful, and we get to do it again. so excited. But chapter 5 is, what on earth did Jesus come to do? And I, I think so often that we think of, and I know that I did, I think of Jesus coming, and I, I think of it in the context of merely saving souls. And people will get really offended when you like, say there's actually more, because they're like, well, what, what else is there? So he came to redeem everything that which was lost, and I love that, and that's what I'm gonna highlight Um, The marketplace is the heart of the nation. And I love how Ed says, it's already been redeemed by Jesus. We understand that. It's already been redeemed. But now it is our time to reclaim it. So it's time. We're going to have, I believe, and and I saw this in in my awakening encounter God gave me open visions and I saw the next move of God is going to be outside of the context of the church it's going to be on the streets it's going to be in bars it's going to be in restaurants this is something that's not containable but through that it is going to we are going to see City and societal transformation on a level. God's positioning us like leaven. He's calling even some of us out of the pulpits full time back into the marketplace because He's positioning people. So, one of the questions that He asks can a nation or city be discipled? And taking the Great Commission at face value resounding answer is yes it is but are we going to say yes how many of you say yes with me tonight God we say yes to you afresh and anew tonight God that we are going to go out and we're going to go into all the world into every mountain of society and every sphere of influence God and we are going to bring your kingdom God, I thank you that you are awakening authority in your people tonight, Lord. I thank you for creative downloads. I know there there are actually entrepreneurs sitting in this meeting tonight, maybe even watching um, by social media. Oh, I feel that really strongly. Silver and gold, I don't have, but what I have, I give God, and I thank you for the gift of creativity, the gift of business, Lord. I just thank you that that you are doing something so new and so beautiful, and we just say yes tonight in Jesus' name. Wow, woo. Hmm. So it's time to go for it to embrace the call. Um, so, yes, cities and nations can be transformed by us going into the heart of these places. I think of even like saints and sinners, the, the physical proximity of that. It is in the 600 block of Bourbon Street, and there are 1,200 blocks. So it is literally right in the center of Bourbon Jackson Square, where you know you've been holding those prayer things right in the heart, and I see God literally taking us like a syringe and injecting us into the heart of the city, and it's going to swell and just explode. I know it. It is going to be explosive, and the marketplace is—is is that? So one of the most riveting examples of cities impacted through marketplace is what took place during Jesus' visit to Jericho as recorded in Luke 19. I think that this story in particular is so pivotal for where we are right now because you are going to see rascals like Zacchaeus' all over the place come to Jesus businessmen that were involved in scams and fraud, whoa, get completely impacted, arrested, like from Paul to Saul. I'm telling you, I see it right now. And men are going to be transformed. Then their business is going to be transformed. And through that, cities are going to be transformed. Like I'm feeling this. It's so like prophetic right now. But in Luke 19, so we all know the story of Zacchaeus. If you grew up in church like me, you remember him by Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Does anybody remember that song? (laughs) Um, But anyway, that was like a really silly distraction. Um, But he was in his day, I mean, as a tax collector, you were up there with murderers and rapists and frauds. I mean, you were literally the scum of the earth. So, the very fact that Jesus went out of his way to take notice of a man like that and go to his house to associate with him did you know that that was scandalous and that was revolutionary? Sometimes we paint Jesus in this like picture of just being you know oh this sweet little prim proper man, you know, and he was anything but he was i mean. I can't get into all that tonight, but the social justice he brought on the scene, that he stood with the lepers, the people, the outcasts. He stood with women when it was illegal to talk to them. He would break the law to stand for the injustice. When a woman was thrown at his feet, you know, to be, um, because the law was going to treat her unjustly. They were going to stone her for an act that she clearly had a partner to commit, yet And Jesus stood for her. So what he did, even in the the case of Zacchaeus, was so scandalous. Grace is scandalous. Thank you, Lord, for your scandalous grace that saved a wretch like me. And Zacchaeus, I always think of, like, as far as the example of a Zacchaeus, like, the, the, some of the people that I've been meeting <laughs> working on Bourbon Street, some of the business owners that I've come face-to-face with, and I'm going, oh, Jesus, only you can do it. But I see it even, even through Keith, um, is, who's our friend that owns the bar I mean, the, the radical transformation that has taken place in his life and to the point where he was like, I'm going to sell my business, you know, because I don't want to participate in debauchery. And God appearing to him going, no, I need your business. It's perfectly positioned. I'm going to move is confirmation of what God is setting all of this up for. Someone that had never even read the Bible before, much less knew who Zacchaeus was, yet his story is so similar. So anyway, and um, yeah.
1: Literally, my favorite story in the Bible, and I tell it on the street all the time. And the reason why is because, think about it, no one could see Zacchaeus for who he was. Right? I always tell people, we wear a facade. Dean has a facade right here. This is his facade. But it says, Jesus saw Zacchaeus. And in many ways it means to see with the mind to perceive. And see, when when you look past the facade and you can see the heart, that's why I love this story. Because if you think about it, how many people on the street can't see past the facade? All they see is the facade. Rhonda is one of the greatest examples of this. She sees past the facade all the time. Absolutely. Sees it. And my wife says it's called grabbing the gold out of somebody. A gold digger. Not the song. But a gold digger. And in this case, it was so great because Zacchaeus was so happy to see Christ that he climbed a tree and when he called him down, what did the crowd say? I'm going to put it on street terms. Yo, Jesus, you don't know who this man is. You don't know what he's done. You don't know what he's about. There is no way. And he, he, he resoundingly calls him down. He says, go prepare your house. I'm coming to dinner with you tonight. See, that's what he's asking us to do. But to see, truly see Pass the facade, pass the facade, pass the facade, and see the heart. Yes.
0: All right, I'm going to roll through this so that we can get to chapter 6. So what I love about Zacchaeus and this story, so beautiful, how Ed brings this out. But in Luke 19, verse 10, I'm just going to read it really quickly. Um, Jesus said to him, This shows, because he had repented for basically being a thief and said, God, everything that I've stolen from the poor, I'm going to give back with interest, and just this extravagant act of of change of heart that he had, and Jesus in response says, this shows that today salvation Has come to your household, for you are a true son of Abraham. Then he says, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And that, that word that, is like going and referring to the things that were lost back in the book of Genesis with the fall. Really quickly, those things were direct, intimate relationship with God. Those were were lost. Um, You know, the fig tree and everything else that happened, um, the hiding from God. Then second was the harmonious relationship between men and women that was ruined But the third, which is what we're going to focus on, uh, the one that is central to this book and teaching, it was the marketplace, the fall-affected business, government, and education. And I love that when, um, when Zacchaeus, my computer just zonked out. Gotta love technology. But when Zacchaeus, you know, meets Jesus, if you can pull that up. If not, I'll just wing it. You guys read it anyway. But Zacchaeus's business was saved. That was kind of just the main point, the nitty gritty of what I wanted to say is that salvation came to his household. And household, when you read that in context, it actually encompasses everything within your your home, your business, your family, your children, everything. Um, it encompasses everything. And what I, I love too here is that they draw this paradox between the blind beggar, Bartimaeus, right? When he got healed, think of it, everybody praised and rejoiced. Yet when Zacchaeus got touched and saved, everybody doubted, everybody was angry. Right, and I we've actually seen that we've seen that even in Bourbon Street Revival when people love when the the homeless people come up and get saved and we get them into rehab, but that night that um, uh, an ex cartel member that was involved in human trafficking came up and encountered Jesus, and people went nuts. I mean, they went as far as threatening the life of Chris Burns for not calling the authorities. He didn't even know what was going on. But it's like people, there's that contrast. But what I see is that God in this day and in this hour, there is going to be an emphasis. We're going to see those knuckleheads come to Jesus and get radically saved we're going to see the crooked businessmen and politicians there is a move of God coming to politics I mean it's just it's insane I believe that this is all just a big divine setup for this move of God that's being ushered in and we say it all the time like we believe that this is like like a Jesus movement in the fact that it feels like that the the 60s and what was going on in the 60s racial injustice tensions were high war political stuff there were like crazy things happening just like we're seeing today that ushered in and set them up for one of the greatest moves of God really the last great move of God that the world has seen and I believe that here we are, This we are living this, and we're going to get to see it and experience it with our own eyes, um, since I can't pull up the book. Anyway, redeeming and reclaiming marketplace. I said it already. This next move of God, we're going to see outside, inside the marketplace. We're going to see miracles in the marketplace. I mean, Ed talks about in this chapter about The prison that got completely transformed. I mean, it was so bad that they were holding, it was anti-Christian. They were holding uh, satanic rituals and services. There were murders and rapes going like crazy. Like nobody even wanted to go in there. And God sent one man named Juan in there, transformed the prison. um, And now it w- it's being duplicated all over, you know, the world. And so all it takes is one. And you are that one. Did you know that you are God's plan A and he doesn't have a plan B? This is like, Does anybody have the book handy? Because I just wanted to read. So to Christians, he talks about applying the biblical principles in the marketplace to do business in the power and in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This means that they go to work. They expect. See, our expectations need to be that I'm not just going into work today God, what is my assignment today? What, what, where are my expectations? We, we need to expect miracles to break out everywhere we go. Every person that we come in contact with, we should expect miracles, signs, and wonders to follow. Um, I don't know where it is. There was a, um, an excerpt, but, oh, that's because I'm in the wrong chapter. that would help see why I don't trust computers like most of the time when I do my sermons I old school write like write down my stuff because that's happened before one time I was like in front of 800 pastors and I was like thank you Jesus hallelujah (laughs) um To fully grasp the scope of the Great Commission, we need to understand that Jesus did not pay solely for souls, but for all that was lost, all of it, all, somebody say all, all of it that was lost, including the marketplace, and as a result, those who work in it, Um, are empowered and expected to reclaim it for his kingdom so that is the day and hour in which we are living we are living I know believe me I've been walking the tightrope of the tension because in one sense we can look at it and be like we've lost a lot we've lost probably a hundred thousand dollars plus worth of business over this pandemic, um, things that you're like, how are we gonna recover for that? So you you can you can focus on on that, or we can we can realize and understand and look through the lens of faith, through the paradigm of faith, and know that we are actually set up for the greatest move of God the world has ever seen. And you are his agents of transformation. That is the word I wanted to give you guys tonight. You are are the agents. You have been strategically placed for such a time as this to bring deliverance to a whole generation, to a whole city. God told me that that it was going to be through unlikely people in unlikely places and here we are, Lord, the misfits, the unlikelies, the would-have-beens, the could-have-beens, God, that he is going to use to change a city and in turn change a nation. Amen? I love you guys. I'm going to turn it over to Dean.
1: I just want to say something before you leave, and this has been on my heart lately. You know, right now you're seeing people of young age on the streets protesting, sometimes out-of-whack protesting taking it to extremes. Listen, I I heard a preacher one day say, just because you're over 60 doesn't mean you're dead. Okay? You have a wisdom. You have an understanding of life. You have a peace. You have a comfort that you need to share at this time take every opportunity to do it and do it with no fear. See that's the key. Up until this point the silent and I call us the silent ones right? We didn't want to ruffle feathers. We didn't want to cause anybody to get upset with us. Sharing your belief should not upset anybody. But if it's from God and you're doing it with God you'll never have to worry about that and you'll change lives yes. every single day I'm telling you this is the opportunity he's asking us do you have faith and if you do take a step Amen. in your marketplace in your business in your work there's always somebody there they may not believe in Christ they may not look at you and say that, hey, you can give them anything, but I guarantee you can give them one thing. You can give them comfort. You can give them empathy. You can listen to them. And you can change their perspective on what they look at at as a Christian. You have every day an opportunity to do that. And you have to take it because he's asking you to rise up now. Amen. Let's give him a hand.